What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. joining us this evening. Those of you joining us online, thank you so much for joining us online this evening. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church right here in Jackson, Missouri. We are so glad you joined with us online this morning, but what we want to do is invite you to join us either on a Sunday morning at 1030 with the Joy Church family or on a Wednesday night at 7 p.m. at the address 1225 Old Cape Road, Jackson, Missouri. We would love to meet you and your families and pray with you about whatever needs God may be or may be in your life that God can provide for. For those of you here, thank you so much for joining us. You're going to notice some of you from new faces this week. I want to be talking to the audience online and y'all. So just as I go back and forth, you guys be expecting that. But uh, we're going to go ahead and be continuing our series tonight, Dreams, Dungeons, and Deliverance. We've been talking about the story of Joseph over the last several weeks. We are actually on part six this evening, and we are going to be talking about The Visitors. The Visitors is the title of this week's message, and we are going to be coming out of Genesis 42, for those of you who want to go and hold your finger there. But before we do that, we have a key passage of Scripture for each and every series that basically is the covering Scripture for the whole series, and that is coming out of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. And here's what it says. Now the Spirit is the, or the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And I thought as we, and I heard that scripture the first time years ago, and as I realized we were going to talk about Joseph in this series and how God was going to be taking him from glory to glory to glory. And as we're looking in that mirror, we talked about this a few weeks ago, we should be seeing the image of God looking back at us. So when we're looking in the mirror, as it's talking about here, with unveiled face. Now, the unveiling is talking, referring back to Moses. If you remember, he saw the glory of God. And his face had to be veiled when he went to talk to the people because they couldn't handle it. It was glowing. It's strange, right? But he would take the veil off when he would get into the presence of God. So as we get into the presence of God, we need to be unveiled, looking at ourselves in the mirror and hopefully seeing Jesus or God as he's taking us from glory to glory to glory, and you can keep saying that because you're going to constantly go through ups and downs. You're going to go through trials, and I thought that was fitting with Joseph as we've been talking about for the last several weeks because we noticed he had several high points, but he also had some low points, and too many Christians want to give up in the low points before they get to their next high point, point. and you never know when that high point's coming, so you need to be focused on God 
Even in the low points we talk about, you need to be giving him the greatest praise in your low times. Amen? Amen? You need to be praising him all the time. But even when you're going through, too many of us get that attitude of, well, I just don't feel like praising God right now. I'm going through something. And really, why wouldn't you? He's the one that can deliver you from whatever it is. And I don't give examples because I might leave someone out, Ed, and then they think I've missed theirs. But <laughs> so as we go through those high and low points in life, remember to keep your eyes on God. And hopefully when people look at you, not just in a mirror, they're seeing God as well. So let's go ahead and turn to Genesis 42 this evening. We're going to start in verse 1. We're going to get through this chapter tonight. So hang on tight. Here we go. We've gotten to the point now to where Joseph is in charge of Egypt. He's been delegated. We talked about that last week as in charge. So he's in charge of everything. So he went from brother that was favored by his daddy to slave sold by his brothers Got to slavery, ended up going to the highest point he could in Potiphar's house, over everything in Potiphar's house. Then he was accused of a crime he didn't commit, adultery, with the wife when really she was the one coming on to him. And many Christians look at that and say, well, that would have known better. Potiphar should have known better. But we looked at that scripture a little closer the week we talked about that. And we believe that Potiphar knew how she was. And he was showing Joseph mercy by placing him in prison. Because we talked about the fact that he could have killed Joseph on the spot. Nobody would have thought about it because he was an outside slave. He was a Hebrew slave, and he was owned by Potiphar. But so he ends up back in prison or the dungeon, as we've talking in this series. And then he's in the dungeon, and he sees these two guys. He interprets their dreams. One's good, one's bad. But he tells the guy with the good dream that's going to be back in Pharaoh's company to say, Hey, uh, don't forget about me. Remember me. Because I've been unfairly placed here, just to paraphrase it. And it was two years, two full more years, before he finally got his opportunity. And the way the text worded it, that he remembered his errors of that day. He remembered Joseph and his story, who brought before Pharaoh, was able to interpret the dreams. And Pharaoh placed him over everything. And here we go. Genesis 42, verse 1. It says, when Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt. Now it's talking about Jacob, not Joseph. That is Joseph's dad. Jacob said to his sons, why do you look at one another? And he said, indeed, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down to that place and buy for us there that we may live and not die. So Joseph's ten brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. But Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers, for he said, lest some calamity befall him. And the sons of Israel went to buy grain among those who journeyed, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Let's stop there for just a second. You need to realize something, and we talked about this a little bit last week. The famine wasn't just in Egypt. It's also in the land of Canaan. So you're going to notice some irony in the story. That, you know, you know, Joseph was that boy at 17 that had dreams and told his brothers about them, and that they were going to bow to him. And everybody thought he was nuts. Oh, well, he's just a cocky 17-year-old. That's all that is. And God made him manager. Because we talked about the first week that the actual coat of many colors that Joseph was wearing was actually more than likely, they believe, a management cloak of some sort. So it wasn't necessarily colorful, but it was in some traditions. But what happened is when he put that robe on, he now was a man of authority. Brothers didn't like that very much. 
And that's why you get into the sibling rivalry. That's why you get into the hatred, because little brother now is telling me what to do. And we talked a little bit about that last week. But the famine is in Canaan as well. And the brothers of Joseph are providently driven by God toward Egypt. And the inevitable encounter with Joseph. God told him. And I've heard other preachers talking about maybe he shouldn't have told as much. He was 17, so you, you know the energy of a 17-year-old. Maybe he shouldn't have told so many people because that particular preacher was talking about when God gives you something, you don't necessarily tell everybody because not everybody's on your side. Whether or not that's true, we won't look at that. But there's an encounter getting ready to happen that God predicted years ago. And we talked about the fact, it's actually been, because remember we found out last week he was 30 when he was raised in Egypt. So it's been 13 years since little brother was given the code of color. He had the dreams. And then it was 11 years that he was either in Potiphar's house or in prison. We're not really sure the division of how to divide that, how many years were in Potiphar's house, how many were in prison. But then... So here he is, 11 years later, through whatever trials and things he's went through. Verse 6, as we continue reading in Genesis 42, it says, Now Joseph was governor over the land, and it was he who sowed to all people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the earth. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he acted as a stranger to them and spoke roughly to them. Then he said to them, Where do you come from? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. So Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. Then Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed about them. Here they coming back to his memory. And he said to them, you are spies, and you have come to see the nakedness of the land. And they said to him, no, my Lord, but your servants have come to buy food. We are all one man's sons. We are honest men. Your servants are not spies. But he said to them, no, but you have come to see the nakedness of the land. Notice the brothers leave to head to Egypt. And the text doesn't take a whole lot of time in between there to there. It gets them there quick. The text quickly moves to the initial meeting between Joseph and his brothers. There's no suspense about whether they will meet. Only about what will happen when they do. Amen. Now remember, as we're reading this, they didn't recognize Joseph. Last week, or it might have been last week or the week before, we talked about the fact that he had been Egyptianized. Because in order to hold that rank, they had to clean him up, they shaved his head, they did all the things they do for the Egyptians, to put on all the attire. So he wasn't recognizable to them. But he knew who they were. And then did you notice the text said that then he remembered the dreams that God had given him. There's a reversal as Joseph treats his brothers harshly, though different from their harsh treatment of him. Remember, he didn't talk nice to them. He said they were spies. But we also notice there, as we take a look at the text, did you notice the part in verse 11? And we may talk more about this in a minute. We are all one man's sons. Joseph knows who they are, remember. We are honest men. There's a kicker, isn't it? What'd they tell their dad? Oh, we found this. That was the coat, and they covered it with goat's blood. Gave it to dad and said, we found this in the wilderness. Is it Joseph's? So they have been lying all these years, but they're honest men. Now remember, Joseph knows who they are. Your servants are not spies. 
He said, no, you've come to see the nakedness of the land. Let's continue there in verse 13. It says, and they said, your servants are 12 brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And in fact, the youngest is with our father today, and one is no more. But Joseph said to them, it is as I spoke to you, saying, you are spies. In this manner, you shall be tested. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall not leave this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of you and let him bring your brother, and you shall be kept in prison, that your words may be tested to see whether there is any truth in you, or else, by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. And so he put them all together in prison three days. Three days. How long did Joseph spend in prison? So really, he's going kind of easy on them, right? He could have went worse, because he has the authority, but he didn't. Put them in there for three days. Now notice one of them doesn't get so lucky, he don't get out. We're going to talk about that. It says, so he put them all together in prison three days. Verse 18, then Joseph said to them the third day, do this and live, for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers be confined to your prison house, but you go and carry grain for the famine of your houses. And bring your youngest brother to me, so your words will be verified, and you shall not die. And they did so. And they said to one another, We are truly guilty concerning our brother. For we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us, and we would not hear. Therefore this distress has come upon us. Wow. This situation is heavy with irony. And becomes almost laughable as the brothers protest their honesty. We laughed about that a minute ago. Though it takes a sad tone as they remark the brother that is no more. Which was Joseph and he knew that. Joseph's testing his brothers. That's true. We're going to talk about There's two parts to that test. We're going to talk about that here in just a minute. Joseph is testing his brothers but not concerning them being spies. What he's really trying to do the purpose of Joseph's test is to determine whether his brothers have reformed or whether they're going to be honest. If they've actually changed and they're honest men like they're claiming they are. We're going to talk more about that in a second. Let's read verse 22 to 24 here real quick in Genesis 42. And Reuben answered, saying, Did I not speak to you, saying, Do not sin against the boy, and you would not listen? Therefore, behold, his blood is now required of us. But they did not know that Joseph understood them. For he spoke to them through an interpreter. And he turned himself away from them and wept. Then he returned to them again and talked with them. And he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. And what I noticed here, as they're sitting there talking with Joseph, and as he's putting them to this test, notice it says he understood them. But he looks like an Egyptian. They don't recognize him, remember. He has an interpreter there. Because that's what we do when we don't understand the language. We get an interpreter that understands whatever language we're speaking, and in our case, English, and the language that we're trying to talk to. So he, hey, he's playing this whole thing out. But he hears them talking. <coughs> Reuben, the oldest, is saying, Didn't I tell you not to do what you did? Now we're, our brother's blood is on our hands. And they, they're looking at this as punishment from God, which in partial it is. But God already had it planned. So you got to remember, God has the ultimate plan. The test has two important elements in it to go well beyond revenge. These elements go well beyond revenge. The first one is, by keeping Simeon, he gives him a chance to abandon 
on their or abandon one of their brothers to prison and slavery as they previously did him. He's testing their honesty. He's seeing if they've actually changed. So putting them to the test, he takes Simeon. Now why Simeon? Why would you take Simeon of all the brothers? Well, there's one school of thought that thought that thinks that it was because maybe he was the one that deserved it most. Maybe he was the trouble. Now, the, content, uh, the commentary I'm reading and the context that they're looking at doesn't think that that's the right one, but that's a possibility. They don't write that off. They give you the option. The text is not clear, but due to the nature of the text, remember, he's testing them. It is most likely, for whatever reason, that he was probably the one that would be abandoned by them first. It's the first one they're going to abandon, just like they did Joseph. Now, you look at the character of Simeon. We really don't know. We can't go into detail of that. Here's what his name meant for those of you that may not, maybe you tuned online. We looked at Simeon's name when he was born. But Simeon means an obeyer to hear. So maybe he's the one that's maybe less aggressive. We really don't know. We really don't know why they picked Simeon. But he picked Simeon, but the way they believe in the context is that it's probably because if they're going to abandon one of them, he'd be the first one they'd abandon for whatever reason. The second reason is he needs to have Benjamin there for the test he has in mind to discover whether his full brother, that's Benjamin, the same dad, same mom, whether his full brother is being treated in the same way that he was treated. His brothers clearly are enslaved to the guilt for they admit to their hard-heartedness and blood guilt. Remember there in verse 21 when they were talking? I'm going to jump back up. I can go right here. Verse 21, it said, They said to one another, We are truly guilty concerning our brother, for we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us. We would not hear. Therefore, this distress has come upon us. That was when he was being taken into slavery. Remember, Joseph tried to plead with them. Don't do this. But they did it anyway. And then in verse 22, I believe it is, Reuben answers, He's like, did I not speak to you, say, do not sin against the boy? And you would not listen. Therefore, behold, his blood is required of us. They are enslaved to this guilt that God's laying them on and letting them feel it heavy right now of what they've done. Imagine holding that guilt for 11 years, they believe. 11 years. You haven't told dad what really happened. You've held on to it. We're going to talk more about that probably here in a little bit. Though their confessions bring an emotional response from Joseph, he is determined to see the test through to the end, to test the metal of his brother's remorse. Let's go ahead and start there in verse 25 where we left off. Then Joseph gave a command to fill their sacks with grain, to restore every man's money to his sack, and to give them provisions for the journey. Thus he did for them. So they loaded their donkeys with the grain and departed from there, but as one of them opened his sack to give his donkey feed at the encampment, they were camping out, he saw his money, and there it was in the mouth of the sack. So he said to his brothers, my money has been restored, and there it is in my sack. Check this out. Their hearts failed. Woo. Then their hearts failed them, and they were afraid, saying to one another, what is this that God has done to us. Remember that scripture comes to mind. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Remember? We see some stuff today that we'd love to see God's getting his vengeance. And he will eventually. All right, well, we won't go there tonight. 
One brother, while they're camped out on their journey back home, finds his money in the camp. The others discover it when they get home. We'll talk about them in a minute. So right now they just know of the one sack that's got his money in it. And they're all like, oh no. And I can, I can just imagine this picture as they're looking at each other and kind of sinking a little bit lower. <laughs> what do we do now? <laughs> the king of Egypt's going to get us if he ever catches us. They still see their misfortune as punishment from the hand of God. And maybe there's a side to that, but actually God has had this plan the whole time. We see things in our world today. God's had it planned the whole time. He's not. None of this caught him by surprise, whatever you're facing. He's had a plan the whole time. We just got to walk it out and find out what his plan is. And that goes for our lives as well. Verse 29, it says, Then they went to Jacob their father, and in the land of Canaan and told him all that had happened to them saying the man who was lord of the land spoke roughly to us and took us for spies of the country <laughs> I hear him whining there I'm sorry I just hear him whining and I'm like Joseph's been in prison for uh, or slavery of some sort for 11 years and you're going to cry about a few days in prison come on but anyway but remember they don't know it's Joseph let's go ahead and keep reading that's just me side note something that hit my mind while I was thinking about that but we said to him, verse 31, We are honest men. We are not spies. We are twelve brothers, sons of our father. One is no more, and the youngest is with our father this day in the land of Canaan. Then the man, then the man, the Lord of the country, said to us, By this I will know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers here with me. Take food for the famine of your households and be gone. And bring your youngest brother to me. So I shall know that you are not spies, but that you are honest men. And I will grant your brother to you, that you may trade in the land. And you may trade in the land. Can you imagine the guilt of eating that food? Just another side note. They got the food. First of all, you know, and probably some time passes here before the others may be discovered. They've opened the first bag. He knows his money's in it. We don't know how much. Could have just been a day. Could have been that later that day. Who knows? But they're eating food. Remember, they've already got the guilt of God because of what they did to their brother. Now it looks like, for whatever reason, I got my money back. I didn't pay for this food, it looks like. Can you imagine the guilt? Let's wrap up our scriptures today, and then we'll get ready to close here in a minute. It says, then it happened as they emptied their sacks. Here goes the rest of them. That surprisingly, each man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were afraid. Rightly so. And Jacob, their father, said to them, You have bereaved me. Joseph is no more. Simeon is no more. And you want to take Benjamin? Hmm. I can imagine dad's thoughts here. All these things are against me. Then Reuben spoke to his father, saying, Kill my two sons if I do not bring him back to you. Put him to my hands and I will bring him back to you. But he said, My son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead and he is left alone. And if any calamity should befall him along the way in which you go, then you would bring down my gray hair with sorrow to the grave. Notice how quickly... Jacob, for those of you tuning online that maybe never been through the Bible, we've been going through the Bible. Jacob, also Israel. 
Because we talked about the 12 tribes of Israel when we talked about Jacob. So it's the same guy. He's the father of Joseph. And Jacob's sitting there. His son's gone. Joseph's gone. He was the favorite. We knew it because the text told us that. Now all that's left from that mother, which was Rachel, is Benjamin. And now Simeon's gone on top of that. But notice how quick he's like, you're not going. It's like they just totally abandoned Simeon who's still hanging out in prison, right? Now eventually we know that they do end up going. But Jacob's like, no, no, you're not doing anything else. Everything that I'm seeing happening is against me. The rest of them have only, dis only now discovered their money in the sacks. However long that was. Maybe it was right after they got there. Maybe there was some time. Because maybe they ate the grain of the first sack. Who knows? I'm just throwing that out there for a possibility. Now they realize they've all got their money. What is that? Notice that word bereave there. He says, you have bereaved me. And that's when he starts talking about Joseph's no more and Simeon's no more. And now you want to take Benjamin as well. That word bereaved means deprived of a loved one through a profound absence, especially due to the loved one's death. You've deprived me of two sons and you want the third one? No. No, I can almost relate to Jacob here. Because Jacob thinks all things are against him. All things are against him. Doesn't go into much details on Jacob. We know about the brother's guilt because they tell us. But Jacob, that's all we hear from Jacob. Reuben and Judah continue to be the only active brothers in the drama. In, case, in each case, Reuben's efforts, notice this. Because remember, Reuben's the one that said, no, 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 don't kill him. Throw him in the pit, that's fine, but don't kill him. And he didn't even know that they sold him to slavery until he got back from wherever he was at. Notice, in each case, Reuben's efforts are ineffective and fail while Judah's, and there's prophetic meaning here as well. So this is where I want you to catch, because we're going through the Bible. The purpose of the Bible is to point us to the Messiah, point us to Jesus. Show us how we can be saved. Remember that. While Judas, for good or ill, remember Judas the one that said, oh guys, we could sell him into slavery. It was Judas' idea. They fell right along in suit. They pulled the brother out of the pit. They sold him to the Ishmaelites. That was Judah. Whether it's good or bad, Judah's plans accomplished their goal. Now there's a prophetic meaning there. If you don't look at all the ill, because it's through the tribe of Judah we later have Jesus. Because God's plans will be accomplished. The audience of Genesis in this way sees Judah's tribal leadership begin to emerge. This is the tribe the Messiah is coming from. So I thought real quick, because we've mentioned these brothers, I would talk about what their names meant again. Reuben. Remember, his, his, he's ineffective. Whatever he does is ineffective. He's the oldest Nobody seems to follow him. His plans fail. His name, his name, remember, is Behold's Son. It was his first, her firstborn kid, Leah. Vision of a son. But check out Judah's name. And we talked about this when we brought it up in the Jacob series. Judah means praised. The Lord be praised. Object of praised. He shall be praised. Isn't that a prophetic? This tribe... The plans are always accomplished. The goal is always met. 
And it's the praise tribe. Even though we didn't look at Judah's story a lot. We skipped over it for the sake of staying on a timeline in the story. But Judah's done some stuff. You read Judah's story right before we get into Joseph's story. Right after he was sold into slavery. There's a couple of chapters there. Judah done some stuff. Go read those for yourself. I don't remember the chapters offhand. But they're right after Joseph is sold into slavery. Yet he's still chosen as the tribe God will use to save the world. Those of you turning our line this evening, I want to go ahead and dismiss you guys before, and we'll dismiss here. We'll have prayer and dismiss here as well. But uh, if you're tuning with us online this evening and you've never received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that is where your journey starts. It always begins with Jesus. And you just simply ask. You say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose on the third day, becoming victorious over death that I might live. I ask you to come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Forgive me of all my sins. From here on out, I want to live my life for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. The Bible says all we've got to do is ask. Peter talks about a repentance, which means 180. Make a 180 with your life. It's an old military term. Repentance means about face. So you're facing this way, you turn, you're going to go this way. That's really what it's about. You just said that prayer, you meant it from the bottom of your heart. I want to go ahead and say congratulations, welcome to God's family. I want to give you another tool before I leave you, if you're online. Go to our website, nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. In the upper left corner, click on the menu button. There will be a Dropbox drop down. Go all the way to the right side and there's a link that says the road to new life. Click on that link. And it'll take you to a separate website that I created in college that basically walks you through the plan of salvation. Why we needed it. It's got the scriptures there to back up why we believe what we believe. Go do that. Use that as a tool. And then when you get to the very last page, there's a prayer similar to the one I just prayed. If you maybe you didn't pray it yet, you want to see some more details and information. And there's also at the very bottom, there's a contact form. That comes directly to my email, which is trentoncruise at yahoo.com. I would love to know that you received Christ this evening, whenever you check this out, this morning, if you're tuning in Sunday morning. I would love to know that and celebrate that with you. Your next step is you need to find you a church home where you can be discipled and open church. We talked about this over the last several weeks where you can be discipled and trained in the next steps. And then you need to be baptized following in Jesus's footsteps. Thank you so much for tuning with us online. Next week, we'll be continuing our series Dreams, Dungeons, and Deliverance as we continue talking about Joseph and what's going to happen to these brothers that we're continually talking about. God bless you. Thank you for tuning online. We'll see you next week.